everyone welcome back to the dr pat show talk radio to thrive by october is adopt a shelter dog month and asp ca animal experts dr steven zawitsowski is joining us here today and we're talking about what we can do for our four-legged friends now many of us many of us who have been out there and have gone to the shelters and 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 through that process have been able to find lifelong friends know and understand what this means uh it, it, this is a it's an extraordinary time right now i believe for many of us to follow the journey of 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 dogs our loyal friends and we've gone through and we've watched sort of the I would call it expose, and I want to thank Michael Vick for actually getting caught in some of the really crazy stuff he did, because the gift that that gave us is a level of awareness so that we can pay attention and be there, stand for and support these four-legged friends of ours. And today we're going to be talking with Dr. Z about what it means, why this is uh, Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month, and what the ASPCA, uh, you you know, is really doing to support this, provide this, and why this is so important. Uh, Dr. Stephen, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you. You know, let's talk about this for a minute, because I I think that there has been a level of awareness that has been raised. Uh, And and I said thank you to Michael Vick, not thank you for, you know, cruel and unusual stuff, but thank you for really shining the awareness on the abuse that has been going on for a long time around our four-legged friends. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what have you seen uh, in the past five years in terms of how dogs are treated uh, and what are we doing about it? Well, I I think you're right in many ways. The Vic case um, reawakened uh, an idea that um, dog fighting is out there, and there's there's a lot of stuff happening to dogs that uh, is not so good. Um, you know, very often what we see with dogs is is our celebration. Um, you know, Westminster when it's on TV, it's one of the most watched shows on cable. I know. Um, certainly, we see Animal Planet. People enjoy watching Animal Planet all the time, and and then you know we see you know there's the new movie out with the Chihuahuas and everything. You know, we 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 always think of dogs as you know having this great part of our lives, and the Vic case really reminded us that there's some, some really bad things that are happening to dogs, and, and what's striking is, uh, you know, the SPCA, we're, we're 142 years old, we have in our archives busting dog fighting cases, you know, in the 1860s, and sometimes we think that maybe some of these things like dog fighting and cock fighting have disappeared um, from our culture, but they're still there, they're under the under that that cover they're behind the scenes we don't see it and you know the Vic case sort of ripped that cover off of it pulled the curtain back again and said we have to be aware of it we have to know that this is happening and we have to respond effectively um, and I think the great thing that came out of the Vic case of course was um, you know the federal prosecutor um, really did an extraordinary job of addressing that case and he took it serious. He took it serious. It was a crime. This was a federal crime that was committed, mm-hmm. and he prosecuted it as a federal crime, put the, the effort and the expertise and the resources into it. 
And certainly what we saw is the public responded to this. They recognized that this is something evil that was happening and it needed to be dealt with and removed from our society. And, and, you know, let's talk about this because, you know, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us grew up with, let's call them our four-legged heroes. And even today we see them, whether it was Benji or whether it was Rin Tin Tin or whether it was Lassie or it doesn't matter. We've kind of grown up with this. And to hear about some of the atrocities right now um, or and, you know, we hear about the extreme. And let's talk about this, Dr. Z, for a minute, because there's the Michael Vick extreme, right? That's kind of I consider that an extreme. Do you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's some other stuff that happens in the middle that we don't think are extreme. So, for example, you know, people buying dogs or going out and getting dogs and then not taking care of them and letting them go on the street. Well, certainly one of, you know, one of the reasons we have Adopt a Shelter Dog Month is to bring attention to the fact that uh, America's shelters are always full of dogs who are looking for homes. We expect that they'll probably during the year be somewhere um, between three to four million dogs in our shelters across the country. Only about half of those dogs are going to find a new home. The other dogs will be euthanized because there's there's nowhere else for them to go. And we really want people to think about the fact that um, going to a shelter, making adoption your first option, is, is really a life-saving event. It's an opportunity to provide a new forever home for a dog who, who's been on hard times. And certainly what we're seeing now because of the financial situation in the country, um, you know, this, this could become a more and more significant issue for us to deal with. You know, and, and for all of us, where do we start? I mean, I, let me just get true confessions if I could. Um, you know, I, I've, had a, I've had dogs all my life and, you know, they've been my friends. As a matter of fact, I had a colleague for 13 years who was only supposed to live for five. And, you know, that's because of, of serious inbreeding and so forth. But I want to ask you, you know, as we step out there and we go and we, we go to shelters and some of us even volunteer and we go and we look and we decide, oh, my gosh, there's so many, so many wonderful, wonderful four-legged friends here. Where do I even start? How do I know what to look for, Dr. Z? How do I know, you know, which one of these amazing, amazing creatures is going to be my best friend? Well, I think the first first thing to do is is think about what you're looking for. Um, you know, what's striking is people often do more research when they're trying to buy a car or a new microwave um, than they do when they're going to be trying to find a new uh, animal companion for their home. You know, take the time, even, you know, write down a checklist. Or, Am I a couch potato? Do I want to sit on the couch and, and wear my fuzzy slippers and watch movies with a, with a dog or a cat on my lap? Or am I the kind of person who wants to go out and, you know, go down to the beach? Do I want to run on mountain trails? Uh, do I want that dog to travel with me and be my companion as I'm, uh, as I'm adventuresome? Then when you go to the shelter, you can talk to the folks at the shelter and tell them, this is what I'm looking for. This is what my life is like, and I'm looking for a partner. Um, you know, we've actually developed, uh, Dr. Emily Weiss, who's a behaviorist who works with us, um, we have a program called Meet Your Match, and it's uh, eHarmony for dogs and people. Um, it's a way of, of we evaluate the dogs and their behavior, and we have the people fill out a survey, and we try to match them together because we know that, if the pet matches the family's expectations in those first critical weeks when they get home, 
that's when the opportunity for a bond is formed. And we know that once that bond is formed, people will go the extra mile to make sure they can keep that dog in their life. But, you know, if the bond doesn't form, it's a little bit easier to either take the dog back to the shelter or, you know, give it away to a friend or a relative, or unfortunately we know that people just will dump them on the street. And what we want to do is make sure that that bond is formed because it's, it's that bond that keeps that pet in the home and keeps the pet well cared for. You know, this is really, uh, for me, it's been really a, a, a tough decision to make. This is probably the first time in my life that I don't, you know, I don't have a four-legged friend, but for very good reasons. I mean, how do we decide whether or not having, um, bringing, you know, these loving, 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 loving animals into our lives is, is, is for us? I know you've written a book or co- co-authored Heritage of Care, you know, which has these amazing stories from the ASPCA archives. And, and I know that this is part of your journey and part of your passion. Um, but there are some people, aren't there, that, that really shouldn't be getting dogs. And then there are others that are so perfectly matched. And I'd love for you to talk about that when we return from break. Um, you, you know, again, I want to mention to everyone out there that uh, October is Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month. And we have uh, the ASPCA animal expert, Dr. Z, joining us here today. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, hey, is this right for you? And more importantly, what can we learn what can we learn from what the ASPCA is sharing us? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Paul McCormick, and you've probably heard me talk on the Dr. Pat Show about how to be wealthy and to be happy all at the same time. Well, guess what? I just wrote a new book called Secrets of the Millionaire Inside, and I want you to have this book so much that here's what I'm doing. During the months of September and October, I'm offering a special promotion on my website where if you go to the stores and buy the book, then I'll give you absolutely free six CDs full of information. Check out my website, formulaformillionaires.com. Did you know that nearly 60,000 dogs and cats are euthanized every year in western Washington? Posado's Safe Haven Space Station, a state-of-the-art mobile vet clinic, travels to the areas that need help the most. Posado's is reducing the number of unwanted animals by making spaying and neutering easy, safe, and inexpensive. To check the Space Station schedule or to read more, please visit posadosafehaven.org. That's P-A-S-A-D-O safehaven.org. Be the first to join your favorite Hay House authors on the next I Can Do It at Sea. Come aboard a luxurious cruise ship and meet Greg Braden, Brian Weiss, Sonia Choquette, and many more. The seven-night cruise to Alaska on July 11th through 18th, 2009 includes soul-nourishing workshops, spiritual cinema movies in your cabin, autograph sessions, and amazing ports of call. This is a vacation you'll never forget. Cabins are limited. Reserve today. HayHouse.com. Cherie is the new high-quality liquid nutritional drink that was scientifically formulated with the sacred superfruit called amalaki and six other herbs rich in antioxidants and vitamin C. An ancient Sanskrit word, Shri, spelled Z-R-I-I, means light, luster, prosperity, and heavenly vitality and is endorsed by the Chopra Center for Well-Being. After months of intense development and testing, a world-class team of physicians 
and nutrition scholars developed what they believe to be a product unlike any other the world has seen. Nutritionist Renee Marie wants to introduce Shree's powerful nutritional drink to you today. For more information, call 877-553-9744. Visit ReneeMarie.MyShree.com. That's R-E-N-E-E-M-A-R-I-E dot M-Y-Z-R-I-I dot com. The third annual Alive Expo is back in Seattle, Saturday and Sunday, November 8th and 9th. It's at the Linwood Convention Center. Enjoy health lectures, fitness demos, sample natural and organic products, get a free massage, and receive tons of free product samples. Admission is just $10 and parking is free. Go green at Alive Expo, November 8th and 9th at the Linwood Convention Center. Half-price admission coupons available at thedrpatshow.com or visit aliveexpo.com. This is one event you won't want to miss. Ahead of the talk radio curve, naturally. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. October is Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month. And we're here to tell you how you could go about it. And certainly to get more information about it, we want to make sure that you have the website. So um, if you want to find out more about the ASPCA and what they do and all of the really cool information that they have available so that, you know, this is going to help. This actually helps all of us make the decision that is both, you know, winning win-win for both you as the family member that's going to bring a shelter dog into your house and for the dog. So, uh, you know, Dr. Z, thank you for joining us here today. Why don't we give out the, the best website uh, for people to go to to find out more about um, about the ASPCA, but also about the, the, the book, you know, the book that really chronicles the organization's current, you know, endeavors and where you've been and where you're going. Well, the, uh, the, the website is www.aspca.org. And once you get there, there'll be information um, on dog and cat care and pet care in general. We, you know, we have actually um, 67 veterinarians who work for us, and we have six Ph.D. certified applied animal behaviorists working here. So we have quite a bit of expertise to, to make available to people about, you know, proper pet care and how to train your pet and everything and how to deal with some behavior problems and things. We also have information there uh, a uh, chart on how to estimate what it would cost when you bring a new dog or a cat into your home and actually have information about hamsters, guinea pigs, and everything else. <laughs> um, we also have uh, information on a, a variety of interesting products. We have everything available um, for basic pet care um, uh, for dogs and cats and, and other animals, but we also have materials for um, experts. We have a textbook there for shelter veterinarians. It's the first textbook in that field, and it was um, quite a bit of effort on our part to put all, all the information together for animal shelters. And then finally, you know, heritage of care. Um, we really took the time to try and tell a 142-year-old story. Um, it starts with Henry Berg, our founder, and, you know, him stopping uh, teamsters on the streets of New York who were beating their horses. And it goes up through um, Hurricane Katrina and, and well, you know, Hurricane Michael Vick and dealing with that particular case. Mm. Um, you know, and obviously 
you know, right now um, uh, we're we're probably starting to think about what are the next chapters to write. And and obviously we 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 saw some wonderful things happen recently. Uh, you know, Hurricane Katrina woke everyone up yeah. to the important role that pets play in people's lives. That people were risking their own lives because they wouldn't evacuate because they couldn't take their pets with them. And as a result of that, um, legislation was passed, a federal law that indicated. Uh, communities that wanted FEMA, federal money, to help develop their disaster prep plans, they needed to ensure that pets were included in those plans. And with Gustav and Ike now, what we saw is when people evacuated, they were able to take their pets on the buses with them when they were taken to shelters. And a, a system of something called co-sheltering has developed. In uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, on the state fairgrounds, there was a shelter for people, and right next to it was a shelter for animals. And, in fact, it was set up so that the people could actually come and take care of their own pets when they were evacuated. Uh, I mean, that's really one of those great bright spots, you know, that, that sometimes terrible things happen. But like the Michael Vick case, Katrina was a terrible thing, but we learned something, and we've applied it. And the next time it happened, things worked out better. People weren't forced to abandon their pets, and they weren't separated from them. They were able to evacuate with them. So that was a great, wonderful thing. Well, and you know, this is really uh, it's such an important message because uh, for those of us that that have lost or uh, felt like we've had one of our fabulous four-legged friends uh, kind of step out on their own and all of a sudden we can't find them. I mean, that feeling of losing, you know, a companion like that is devastating. It's devastating. And I'm so glad to hear you say that we've learned quite a bit from that because I think that is, you know, we don't think about it. We think about the people. We don't really think about, you know, the animals, the pets, you know, some of them that have been left behind. And so thank you for kind of, you know, getting out there and sharing that with people. Um, you know, what are, the, what are the common mistakes people make when they go to the shelter and they, they're, they're kind of roaming around and they're like, oh, you know, I think this is what I want. This is what, what are some of the common mistakes and how can we avoid them? Well, I think probably the first um, first thing that people make a mistake on is sometimes um, they'll see a pet and, you know, they'll, they'll be loved at first sight because they like the way the pet looks. And they, they don't really think about what type of exercise or anything it's going to need. You know, so, for example, a border collie type of dog, um, gorgeous dog, requires an enormous amount of exercise. I have a dear friend who says, you get a border collie, you know, with most dogs, you get a collar and a leash. With a border collie, you need 10 acres of land and six sheep. <laughs> There's no um, question about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question about that. You know, and, and you know, recognizing, um, you know, those kinds of things with the pets and that, you know, you need to provide um, not just for the physical needs of the pet, but also the psychological needs. Um, you know, many dogs that were bred for, originally created for particular jobs, and, you know, most of those jobs have gone away. I mean, very few um, border collies are actually doing um, uh, herding or anything like that anymore. And terriers aren't being used to, to take rats and mice out of stables. But what you can do, and, you know, this has been one of the really exciting and cool things that's happening with dogs, is people are participating in a wide variety of dog sports. I mean, agility sports now. Um, and what's cool is you see this now on ESPN and on television and everything where the dogs are jumping over the barriers and through the tunnels and everything. Um, a lot of people are participating in that. We're also seeing that um, people can volunteer with their dogs uh, and do, do therapy work. Um, you can actually go through training with a group like the Delta Society. 
and you can be certified as a pet partner, and you can go to senior homes uh, and visit people with your dog, um, programs actually with dogs in the hospitals. You know, we have research evidence indicating that um, the presence of pets is, is curing and healing to people who are, um, who are sick, who are, who are recovering in a hospital. So, you know, you have that opportunity to participate in society with your pet as well. And you can actually do this with cats. There are, there are certified therapy cats as well. Yeah, and we, we haven't even talked about that. I mean, you know, for, for many of us, I mean, this is really a journey. I mean, this is a journey to understand what the, the implications are. You know, I had a friend that told me one time, um, you know, look, if you're, if you're really looking at that Labrador retriever, whether it's a black or whatever color, make sure you live by a lake or something. And I didn't really understand what they meant until I was walking my friend, two of my, two, two labs that belong to my friend around Green Lake here in Seattle. And within a nanosecond, I found myself being dragged to the edge of the lake as they were just jumping right in it. And, you know, so there's so much that we could learn in the selection. Isn't this important, not just so that the relationships can develop between our animal friends, but what are some of the myths we have to get past in terms of adopting a shelter dog? Well, I think one of the myths is that somehow or another shelter dogs are are damaged or secondhand goods that they're they're you know you should go and you know buy yourself a new dog from a pet store or something and and the reality is you know the dogs are in the shelters are dogs who've just come across hard times very often it's because their family had hard times we know that uh, um, you know financial problems are one of the reasons why people end up giving up their dogs or their cats um, we also know behavior problems are a reason. But very often those behavior problems um, are problems because people have the wrong dog. I mean, that would be like giving up your car because it's got a, a standard transmission and you only drive an automatic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the car. You just had the wrong car. Um, and so that happens sometimes. You know, the person who does have that border collie, um, but they live on a third-floor apartment and, it's you know, they don't like to go out and exercise. Um, you know, the border collie for the guy who wants to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and run three miles, perfect companion. You know, and that's why we talk about trying to make that fit. Uh, we know one of the most common reasons why, why pets end up in shelters um, are because of those behavior mismatches. And that's why we, we try to work so hard getting people connected to the right kind of pet and then helping them work with, with what they need to do to ensure that pet fits into their life. You know, how can you exercise them? How can you play with them? How can you deal with them? I love this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Z, for joining us here today. And I wanted to ask you, as kind of we wrap this up, uh, you know, what would you want to say to our listeners? What would be your personal message for everyone here today? Well, I think the, the fact is um, our country has a history of animals being a part of our culture. Um, our culture, going back even to the Mayflower Compact, has indicated we should be caring and, and respectful of animals and treat them kindly. And I want people to recognize that if you treat animals kindly, it, it doesn't use up kindness. Kindness is not a, a zero-sum game, but if you use up some kindness on animals, there's not enough kindness to go out for children or for people in need. That kindness is, is like like bread dough, you know? I mean, it just keeps on growing if you put the right <laughs> yeast and the right care into it. And, and you know, that's really was one of the early messages of the, the humane movement, and that is people who are kind to animals always end up being people who are kind to other people. 
I love that message. Thank you, Dr. Z, for joining us here today. Thank you, everyone. Don't touch that dial. Yeah, guess who's coming up? That Carrie O'Connor show. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Thanks.